Okay. Um, <clears throat> uh, yes. <laughs> Sorry. I'm a little clumsy on the phone. <clears throat> My name is Wes, and I'm a marijuana addict. And um, there's something about that moment just now that's like there's there's I'm not always conscious of the the power there is in saying that, and um, and how that's really you know how it that's the beginning of it for me. I'll try not to spend the whole my whole time uh, giving disclaimers about things. I know that later on in the meeting that they mentioned that uh, the speaker doesn't speak for MA, and so I'll just say that now as well, that these are my own opinions. This is my own story. Um, actual mileage may vary, and you may hear other, other things from other people, but the uh, my basic stats are that I... Well, my sobriety date, first of all, is October 16th, <clears throat> 1997. And uh, and at the time, I was, I had just turned 30 years old. And, uh, you know, I think at the time, you know, I didn't see, like, the whole path of addiction. And, and even things that, like, don't even look like addiction, like, well, I think once once getting to the rooms, it was easy to kind of see my behaviors, even even as a child, just uh, have, having having addictive aspects to them. And so, you know, I grew up in the '80s. Uh, um, video games were were coming into into being, and I remember just like hours and hours, just like you know, just I just loved that it kept my attention and and focus and. Um, to the exclusion of other things and, you know, and just anything that felt good, even like just like staying out after dark or not wanting to come in for dinner and just wanting to keep playing with friends and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so there was that, um, a, a big part of my story. Well, not a big part of my story. Just a part of my story is that, uh, my parents are both, uh, um, Protestant clergy people, and so I grew up in the church, and as I sometimes describe it, I felt like it was a little bit like growing up in a fishbowl with the congregation, kind of like watching, you know, like, what's the pastor's family doing? You know, what are the kids doing? And 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 it's a little bit, you know, a little nerve-wracking sometimes, and, uh, and so I think um, – that kind of contributed, I think, to uh, to having an experience where in high school I, I didn't use, uh, even when I, I saw other friends starting to experiment with with alcohol and drugs, I um, somehow managed to stay stay free of that. And I had a good, my best friend didn't do it either. And so, um, but I can't say that there wasn't like this evolution of curiosity happening at that same time. And so... You know, I, I think I really kind of still wanted to be like, like, hey, what, what do they know that I don't know? What's 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 going on over there? So, um, so uh, at the time, I think I finished up high school somewhat turbulently, and I remember my senior year uh, having some emotional problems, more more outbursts with my sister, and you know, we're close in age, and so maybe it's just natural that we would kind of get into scrap sometimes but um but something something kind of wasn't right and in and i think when i left for college and moved into a dormitory there was there was like there was whatever was going on in my head and then there was also the idea that that suddenly now no one's looking over my shoulder and i can do whatever i want i can find out what what all what's going on with the uh 
um, <clears throat> with the drinking and the drugs. So uh, within my first week, I discovered beer. Uh, I was already stealing it out of my <laughs> uh, my roommate's refrigerator. And um, actually, it was the, the refrigerator of the guy next to me. But anyway, I, I those first those first few beers were like just what I'd looked for all my life, as a lot of people talk about. And and I feel like it gave me this instant pair of blinders that kind of reduced the world to just you know a few a few degrees in front of me, and not like 180 degrees. I feel felt like I had to like look at the whole thing and be overwhelmed. And so I really just love that fuzzy, insulated feeling, and uh, and really probably began to chase that uh, for the rest of my using career. And um, I found pot shortly there, there, thereafter uh, and always felt like I had a little bit of catching up to do. It seemed that the kids I was hanging out with sort of knew because they'd been doing it in high school and so like I, I had to, you know, quickly get, you know, learn the ropes and, um, and, uh, let's see. Yeah, I, I realize that, you know, singleness of purpose, and we talk about marijuana here, you know, uh, alcohol does figure heavily into my story. It's it's where I began and it's where I ended. So, um, um, and I was, I was doing a lot of that in college. And so within, anyway, the, to cut to the chase, in two and a half years, my um my drinking was out of control and you know and pot was just sort of like fueling fueling the fire as well and um and um I wound up basically getting they let me, they didn't kick me out of college but they did kick me out of the dormitories because I was such a discipline problem and so um uh, my my family lived close enough that I was able to actually commute for a semester and kind of like and oh and I will and and first pivotal point in my recovery was that I started seeing a therapist I think on the advice of my dad or my dad maybe may have found somebody and so I started talking to this woman and she suggested that maybe drinking and pot smoking was uh, something I should take a look at and that it wasn't <laughs> helping my situation any. And um, and at that point, I really wanted to just sweep it all under the rug. You know, I did not want to go to any program with an A in it. You know, I didn't want to identify as an alcoholic. In fact, I don't even know if I even thought about that being on the table. It just was so far from my mind that that, that I was an alcoholic or an addict that, um, you know, my whole attitude was just like, fine, you don't like the way I'm using, then I won't use. And so that defiance pretty much lasted for another seven years and during that time I did return to school I finished out my senior year I got my got my degree and um, and I was living I had a roommate who was a freshman at the time who had had a similar experience where he his life had kind of gone off the rails behind drug use and he had quit and neither of us wanted to go to meetings and and you know, but it you know what was interesting is that we had some kind of like a very basic like first step happening. You know, where we we both knew we couldn't use, and um and the whole simple idea of one addict talking to another, and somehow like you know we would stay up and listen to U2 albums and Pink Floyd and and um and we had you know we had a couple of well anyway it's 
I don't want to go down a hole. We had, we just would basically stay up and listen to music and stay clean, you know. And so, um, like I said, that 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 carried me for quite a while, and I still was what they call a dry drunk, and because um, there were a lot of things that I hadn't figured out. Um, my girlfriend took acid one night, and I was really jealous of that, and kind of freaked out on her, and um. So there was still, you know, more internal work to do. And I, I'm really, you know, at this, knowing what I know now, I really wish that I had actually shown up at, at a some kind of a 12-step meeting. I, I think actually MA might have existed at that time. Um, um, so, so fast forward to, say, 1994, maybe. And... Uh, I was dating dating a woman whose brother was a daily pot smoker. It's kind of like the after work variety. It just something he did. He didn't seem to have a problem with it, but um, so he was just passing passing the pipe around, and it came to me, and it was offered to me, and I thought, well, you know, surely I've outgrown the problems that that I was having earlier, you know, after seven years, and so maybe it's okay. And I just, you know, and I hit the pipe and. Um, and I was off and running. And, you know, before long, it's kind of like, hey, how do I get more from your brother? And, you know, the, my girlfriend did not want to be my dealer. And that relationship ended shortly thereafter. And, you know, but I knew people who knew people. And next thing you know, it's like I had a steady steady relationship with a dealer. And um, and I was off and running again. And, and this part of my, you know, this part of my story, I think, was sort of, was informational or not, well, it was a, it was a time period where I, I I smoked pot by itself, and that's when I re, that's when kind of the heavens opened. And it's just like marijuana is the perfect drug for me, and um, if I could just do this by itself forever, I I would do that. You know, I tried to grow it in my attic, which was a pain in the butt because there's a really small crawl hole, and you know, and and I I didn't know what I was doing, and so but you know, in my in my mind, I was gonna you know just grow my own, be self-sufficient. Um, my story doesn't doesn't include hallucinogens, but I, I had this fantasy of growing mushrooms. I, I was going to have this all-natural drug garden that was going to, like, sustain me, and uh, none of that came to be. Um, and, um, but yeah, pot had become an, become an important part of my life. And, one of, you know, one of the more one illustration of that was uh, I'd been at a bar with some friends and uh, one of the friends had gotten intoxicated and, and, and I gave her a ride home and, and, um, and I was not, I was not drinking, but I, I asked her if she had any marijuana and, and she said, I think I may have vacuumed some up when I was cleaning. And <laughs> very innocently, I said, do you mind if I cut open your vacuum cleaner bag? So I, you know, politely put a spread newspaper out on her kitchen counter and dissected her garbage, her vacuum bag and found what I thought was pot. And I believe I smoked it. I mean, this has been a long time ago, so it might just be legend now. But but the willingness to do that or the importance of pot to go to that 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 length and that, um, you know, a socially kind of questionable moment is, is interesting. So... Um, fast forward, 
I began drinking again. Uh, that really ramped things up. I, I refer to alcohol as my bottom helper. Uh, and that resulted in two DUIs within five months in 1997, uh, one in May, one again in October, if I have the math right. And um, and uh, the second one, you know, that landed me in the L.A. County Jail and just really kind of scratching my head. is like, how did I get from point A to point B where I was just using this? It was very innocent in college, you know, and, you know, and then it became this drug that I loved in the mid-90s and, you know, it opened up all kinds of, at least I thought it was opening up social opportunities. And here I am in jail, you know. <laughs> and uh, and so um, I just, you know, it wasn't, you know, I didn't do hard time. It was like eight days. I think I was supposed to do 10 and I got time served after eight. And, um, and it really kind of put me at the crossroads where it's just like, like what, you know, um, I, I didn't mean for it to be like this. I'm smarter than this. I'm, you know, I'm, I have come from a church family, you know, like how, how am I here? And, um, Again, you know, forever grateful to my family. I realize not everyone has family support in this, um, but my parents were researching rehab facilities while I was in jail. And I, uh, on the day I was released, I, my my parents picked me up and took me out to the rehab they'd looked looked at. And of course, I think in my head I was just like, well, can I, you know, let me just go home for a little bit and and. And really, the only way to do this, I think, was to go straight, straight there. And um, they put me in pajamas or, or, you know, like a hospital gown. And I, of course, you know, instantly I'm protesting that. Where it's like, I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm detoxed. I'm, you know, I just eight days in jail. I haven't done anything. And, and they told me it was for observation purposes. And, and, um, and then I just wanted to hide out in my room again, to sweep it under the rug. And finally, they made me go to group, and that's when I really kind of started to see the recovery dynamic. And um, at the time, the frustration of the group, but then you know, but also starting to see the power of the group and being you know in a in a, a men's group where they really got deep and um, in interviewing the, the you know kind of <laughs> kind of interviewing the new the new people and. Um, so gradually I started hearing the message. I, there was a, at the hospital, there was a 6.30 a.m. AA meeting that I had to go to every morning. Uh, I was 45 days inpatient. I then moved to a sober living for uh, another six months. And um and really, you know, there was just this evolution where it's, you know, the courts, the courts just said I had to do it for 45 days, but at 45 days, it's like, well, this is starting to become for me. And so that's another thing that, that I really am a big believer in. And it's something they even told me in, in rehab was, you know, it, it doesn't matter what your springboard is into recovery. You know, you, you know, if you do it for the, the kids, the spouse, the siblings, the parents, whatever, that's all well and good. But at some point, um, the recovery needs to be for oneself because if it hinges on anything else, then it's subject to, to crumbling when, if anything happens to that external circumstance. So I really took that to heart and, 
you know, I hope 25 years later that I'm still doing this for me and not for for other people. Um, although it's interesting, I am doing it for other people because I'm doing it for the addict who still suffers now and trying to show up and be of service. And so that's a little interesting twist on things, but um, but I digress. So um, let's see. So I'm, yeah. So, you know, it came to a point where I felt like I was maybe hiding out a little bit in rehab and they kind of like wanted to push me out of the nest. And so they, they did. And I moved back to my my house in uh, in North Hollywood. And a friend of mine that I had met out there said, said, hey, they have Marijuana Anonymous uh, at the uh, at the Methodist Church in, in North Hollywood, I think. And and he turned out to be, uh, he didn't quite have the church quite right, but but ironically, the church where it was was even closer to my house than the, than the one he that he thought it was. So uh, there was a Monday night newcomers meeting, and and uh, you know I had sort of behind alcohol I'd thrown away my driver's license and my car and 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 so I was able to walk or bike or um, <laughs> or skateboard to this uh, this Monday night newcomers meeting, and. That's when you know I, I met I met my people. You know these were these were all the people I would have you know used with, but they weren't using. And um, you know even though I knew how to be in a, in a twelve step meeting, I knew how to be in a recovery environment. There still was a little bit of you know anxiety meeting a new group of people, but but that quickly subsided. And you know just meeting a few people and taking commitments. You know I, I'm a big believer in taking commitments because that's how the meeting can get to know you. That's how you can get to know the meeting. And, um, and I did. And so pretty soon I was giving literature report. I think they roped me into being treasurer one night. And that was, you know, that was a huge leap where it's like, Oh my gosh, money's involved. And, and I did that and, um, and just realized how, how we do this thing and how we keep a meeting running. And, um, And uh, somebody bought me a, a Life with Hope book, which I still have. And um, and so I, I just, you know, I, I got into I got into the fold, and that's where I've stayed ever ever since. And although I probably should go to more AA meetings than I do, I um, I've really been been active mostly in NMA this whole time. So uh, and also done, you know, went on to do district work. Um, let's see, yeah, district work, world service, world service delegate, and um, so today, let's see, I got I got a couple of sponsors, and um, you know, had some you know some rocky times, like butting heads with one of my original sponsors, and um. But started, you know, started to learn about, you know, the, the power of looking inside and shining the flashlight in the attic, and and um, and there's still, you know, a lot of things. It gets tricky. I, I was nervous coming into this year just because it's like, you know, there's all these things I wanted to encapsulate from 25 years, and it's like, am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to say the wrong thing? You know, how do you? Um, so I'm trying to co- go back to the basics. Uh, and um, 
Yeah, one of which is like, you know, no matter what I think is going on, no matter how good or bad I think my program is on a particular day, uh, you know, the third tradition tells me that the only requirement for membership is, is a desire to stop using marijuana. And so, like, you know, on any given day, I qualify no matter what's going on. And, you know, hopefully I'm of more service than less service. Hopefully I'm like a saner person than than an insane person, but, you know, I still have my moments and, uh, and I'm human. And, and there are other things too, you know, like, like the, we have a cross addiction pamphlet and that's, that's interesting. You know, I've got some behavioral things that I still wrestle with that I've gone to other fellowships for. Um, and, um, and there are things that still don't make sense to me where it's like, well, how can I be so willing, you know, not to, not to use marijuana and to be in this program and then have these other things kind of like spiraling, you know, many, many years later after that. So, um, which comes to another point that I, I like to keep in mind that, uh, as long as I stay in program, I, I have a chance, you know, so even if I'm not doing all the work, I have way more of a chance of, of being successful and doing what I need to do than if I, than if I leave and forget that I'm an addict and start using again. And that's just, um, there's no hope in that. So, um, so I try to stay connected, you know, people have, have often said it's easier to, let's see, it's easier to stay than it is to come back. And at this point, I don't even know what I would, I kind of don't know what I would do with myself with today's, today's marijuana products. Uh, kudos to those that are younger than I am or newer, you know, that, that are in the climate of dispensaries. Like I just, uh, I remember when I first started hearing about dispensaries coming into being and I thought that I was picturing these sterile white rooms with people in sterile white lab coats, you know, giving this high grade top secret government grown marijuana to people. And then people would start talking about lollipops and, you know, <laughs> gummies and all this stuff. And, I, and, and it, it just, and I was like, well, this sounds more like an Amsterdam hash bar than it does, uh, you know, what I'm picturing. So uh, anyway, totally different climate. And, um, but the same, but the same disease, the same issue, you know, I, I still will be in meetings and hear people talk about things that, that I could have said, you know, about any period in my, in my, the history of like my, my bottom. And, um, um, so th there's still a very shared, shared commonality. And, um, I'm grateful for marijuana. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for marijuana anonymous, <clears throat> um, and the people that started this, that brought it into being, and you know, it's all the same twelve steps. You know, we don't do anything that that unique, other than like this is a, a template uh, that can fine tune the, the message. So, you know. It's just, it's it's nice to have the opportunity to, to hear hear language that that makes sense to the pothead, and um, uh, let's see. 
sorry, I kind of hit the guardrail just a little bit. But yeah, that we have our own our own fellowship with the message, uh, with a translation of the message that's accessible um, for someone that may not be comfortable with all the alcohol talk, all the and all the other talk. And I love the other fellowships. I really love Narcotics Anonymous literature and AA literature. <clears throat> um, but it is nice to have this environment. There is something about the, the you know, the hippy dippy <laughs> pothead. And uh and I grew up with that, you know, in the eighties I was trying to like recreate the sixties, I think. So uh it's this continuum. <clears throat> uh but again I'm i I'm digressing. So um you know, I should probably talk about higher power a little bit. Uh, going back to my church roots, you know, I, I, I grew up going to church every Sunday. And I characterize it now as, it was, you know, I think it was very mechanical just because I was supposed to. And once I got to college and didn't have to wake up Sunday morning, I didn't I didn't do that. And um, um and so getting back into the rooms and having the focus be on finding a power greater than myself that can solve my problems, I think that's how the, the AA people say it, um, is, is interesting, you know, and I feel like I've learned more about like kind of a hands-on spiritual experience than, than what I was getting when I was going just to... Uh, just just to be at church and and I don't want to knock that either because like the you know the experience I got as a youth in that environment I think was very helpful um but there's something different about coming you know being part of you know being on a life raft with a bunch of other addicts where it's like you know it, my life depends on finding this this power greater than myself and I don't always know what it is I don't have a very you know defined anthropomorphic view of God um but I know, as so many pieces of literature talk about, you know, if I'm having trouble, I can just look at, like, the seats in a room or, you know, the windows on a Zoom room or, you know, just the number of people on a, a telephone call, and that's a power greater than myself. And so that's enough for me to, to, to start from. And if I want to get more elaborate with that, <clears throat> if I want to bring, a, you know, a childhood faith into it, I can do that. But uh, I have options. So... The takeaway, uh, my takeaway on that, um, for anyone, is I think it's more important to to keep it simple. There, if if that's a struggle, if God, if the word God is a struggle, then then I think keeping it simple is important um, because the detriment of running away screaming is, I think, is is worse. So. Um, I don't think I'm phrasing that right. I guess, I, yeah, <clears throat> it's better to come in and be a, like a, a naysayer about God than it is to just just leave because I think I'm still digging a hole. Anyway, <clears throat> hopefully you get the picture. Um, let's see. I'm timing myself. I'm coming up, I think, on like half an hour, so I probably should wrap it up pretty soon. Um uh, as I sometimes say, it's like now is that crucial moment where what what can I say in the last few minutes that's going to keep everybody on this call sober for the rest of their life, and uh, um, which of course I can't I can't do, but um, you know I can stick my hand out, I can offer 
what I've found. Uh, there are a lot of other people, you know, like with a lot less sobriety that have a more elaborate message than I do. Um, but I think I'm getting more and more comfortable with the idea that we all bring our own gifts to, to MA and not everyone is every, you know, can be everything at the same time. So, you know, I'm not the guy with 30 sponsees. Um, but I have, you know, tried to contribute, tried to keep meetings open, have a space for people to go and to, you know, welcome people on board. And hopefully they find what they find. You know, people sometimes have different trajectories and they they might come in and and then leave and then come back. They might leave and not come back and um but either way, you know, I need I need to stay sober and I need to make sure that there's a room the rooms of MA are here for the next person, you know, the way they were here when I came in. That somebody before me didn't just say, hey, I've got the message and thanks, see ya. Um, you know, that, that that allows MA to, to be there for, for me. And um, so hopefully I can be there for someone else. And then that chain just continues on and on and on. And... Um, Yeah, guy, this is so probably probably so different from this year that I was like worrying about and planning, you know, all week, and and it all goes out the window. And so hopefully, what was said strikes a chord with with someone. Um, but um, I think I have gratitude today, and that's you know we talk about that all the time. There's so many things we we talk about, and one day at a t- at a time is impo- is important. There's there's power in one day at a time. Um, breaking it down to a manageable moment to do this thing, especially if you're new and you're struggling. Um, whatever works, call people, you know, use a phone list, use, you know, just stay in contact with other addicts. And it's just amazing what even just sort of like just getting, getting the rattling marble out of your head, you know, can do just like in terms of feeling better and maybe having, having a chance to get to the next meeting and, and uh, and keep putting putting time together. And you know, it's funny how one day at a time can work. You know, it's an amazing tool for recovery, and it's also an, it's amazing how like one day at a time, I can let things get off the rails. You know, like like I was talking about, and and um, getting in the mindset of like, oh, woe is me, and you know, it's so terrible. And and then I with just a little bit of work. I find that getting back on beam is possible, even when I think that it's not. It's like, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not as far gone as I think. So, <clears throat> kind of digress here a little bit. Uh, but yeah, use, use the tools that are available. Keep coming back. Um, another annoying cliche that that is is true is not not leaving five minutes before the miracle. <clears throat> and um, I've heard that said many, many times in the past. So uh, I think that's probably enough out of me and I hope you got something out of it and uh, thank you for letting me share.